back. I'm joined here with Anthony Lukasik. How's it going, guys? And today, we are going to talk about that pivotal time in fantasy football seasons, the summer, the run-up to the preseason, what happened in the offseason, and what we need to be prepared for. This has been, I think, a very interesting year when it comes to the world in general, but also the ramifications it might have for the fantasy football season. I mean, we're seeing teams that are bringing in young guys that they may not be able to develop as much as they used to in their in their off season as we're running up. Teams that new players maybe not get to spend as much time together before they got to be on the field and try and deliver. It should make for an interesting season. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. You know, with this whole COVID thing, it's definitely throwing a wrench into things. And then if you look outside of that, you know, there's always massive changes in between each uh, football season. And so from one season to the next, things can change drastically. And we have that around the NFL this year. So we're going to go kind of run through some things, break everything down, break each team down uh, by division, and just kind of give you guys the cliff notes on what you need to know to have a successful fantasy football year. Um, we'll be starting it off with the AFC North. Yeah, starting off the AFC North for this special episode as we review all the offseason moves for all the teams. And let's kick it off with Cincy. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> Cincy kind of, uh, <laughs> they, they they struggled a bit quite a bit last season. They had a lot of issues at the quarterback position with the first-year coach, Zach Taylor. And, <clears throat> you know, they spent the first overall pick uh, bringing in Joe Burrow at quarterback. So let's start there. Uh, Burrow is just a big-time QB uh, coming off of uh, a kind of college season that you just don't really ever see. Uh, the guy was just a monster last year, helping LSU win the in route to the national title. So with him coming in, replacing Andy Dalton, usually in fantasy football, rookie quarterbacks are something you usually want to stay away from, right? Uh, production is just usually not there for rookies. You can kind of start to see, you know, do these guys have potential? Do we expect them to take the next step forward? And year two or three is typically when they start to pop. You know, even Kyler last year had one of the best rookie seasons that uh, for a, a, a typical rookie quarterback, and even he was barely inside the top ten. Yeah. And he's got the the legs to run. You know, that's kind of the game breaker, game changer for fantasy football. It's kind of the cheat code at the quarterback position. Burrow is actually kind of a little bit underrated in that aspect as well, though. Burrow does have some a set of wheels on him, but the guy can just sling it all over the field. He's got some top tier weapons and. Uh, Moving right into the backfield, he's got Joe Burrow behind him now. He's, I know he's going from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I don't really see that as a drop-off going to Joe Mixon, do you? Um, not not particularly, no. I think uh, you've got the strength there. Um, I think it was uh, it's, it's a solid pickup in general. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that delivers. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, there's, there's always that, that X factor, that question, when you start moving around, uh, particularly coming from n new quarterbacks coming in is how are they going to mesh well with the team and use what they've got and make those play calls. For sure. Um, you know, looking at the the running back position, I kind of they, they didn't really make a whole lot of changes this year. They, you know, with Joe Mixon last year, the issue was kind of consistency. He wasn't really getting enough opportunity early in the season. A, a lot of people were a little bit disappointed with uh, the kind of production that he laid out. It almost seemed like the team didn't want to use him in the passing game, which is, to me, just remarkable considering the kind of talent that Joe Mixon is. He's a true three-down running back. He's a true workhorse. You know, I, I'd like to see him get a lot more targets out of the backfield this year. I know you have Gio Bernard there, but Joe Mixon is just too talented not to get it done. So moving right into uh, the next position here, uh, 
there's some big there's somewhat changes somewhat not at this position i mean you're bringing back tyler tyler boyd you still have Auden Tate from last year who kind of stepped up remarkably with injuries to the team and you know you still have john ross who himself got injured last year but he's their speedster their stretch the field down uh down the field kind of guy and with him and the kind of speed that John Ross brings, he was actually starting to hit some real production last year. He was starting to really hit some flashes. You couple that with the fact that you bring A.J. Green back healthy. Now, as you've mentioned, he's got a franchise tag yep. on him. So I'm a little bit skeptical that A.J. Green's going to be next back next year. I think that they kind of drafted T. Higgins to be that A.J. Green replacement. I don't know that T. Higgins really sees too much on-field opportunity this year. But A.J. Green physically is just a top 10 talent at the position in the league when he's healthy. He's just a monster, yeah. right? He was drafted in the same – comes from the same draft class as Julio Jones. And for most of his career, has tried to keep pace with Julio. Now, Julio struggled with injury early in his career where A.J. Green kind of stepped up. And then you kind of saw that uh, script be flipped uh, in the most recent years. But A.J., I think he's going to – this is going to be, I think, his audition tape for a lot of teams next season. I think he still believes he can get it done. And I think he feels like he's got something to prove because he wants that next contract. I think he wants one more before he really hangs it up. And so when you talk about the Cincinnati Bengals offense as a whole, I think there's a lot of big pieces to get excited about, but it's almost by death by numbers here. There's just, I don't know that there's that much opportunity to sustain all these mouths to feed uh, when you when you look at all the receivers in the squad. So I think that, you know, AJ, AJ Green is going a little bit as a value in the draft. So I think that he's definitely has a chance to step up and you can take a shot on him. Uh, Tyler Boyd is, I think, about on par as far as his ADP. John Ross is another guy you could probably take a shot on here. Um, outside of that, I think in, it would take injuries to pick up either Auden Tate or T. Higgins off the waiver, depending on how the, the season kind of shapes out. Yeah, I definitely agree, especially when it comes to T. Higgins. Uh, someone I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Someone I may consider holding on to if I got space in a dynasty league. Well, yeah, in the dynasty league, I think you definitely want to target T. Higgins in your rookie drafts. He's going to be going probably, you know, maybe as early as late first round, probably around the early second, mid-second frame. I, I have him kind of grouped in with the Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson group. I kind of have him at the back end of that group based on where he's at at the moment and just kind of the uh, working conditions of the other players available in that same kind of category that he's going in. But for sure, he can be a monster in the NFL for years to come. Yeah, and the team as a whole, year after year, when it comes to comes to the Bengals, you never know which team you're getting that year. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, they're two and four last last season. This this is a team that, uh, you know, usually tries to be the AFC North. You know, they all try to be good defensive teams and kind of trot out some offensive firepower as best as they can. Now, I, I think with the Bengals finishing last in the division last season, they're still kind of at that same spot within the division. I think they have a lot of work to go on that defense. You know, they finished uh, on offense last year. They were 26 in total yards, 30th in points. 20 on defense, 29th in yards allowed, 25th in points allowed. So a lot of room to grow on both sides of the ball. I don't think they get it done on the defensive side of the ball this year. There was just too many gaps that they just didn't fill. They did add some nice names like, uh, you know, they brought in Trey Waynes as a big ad. I, I like the Von Bell ad a little bit better. Um, but they have a long way to go, and I think that they're just kind of building to that. And so with Burrow, I'd like to see a mentality of just, you know, what you get out of him and just something to be excited for moving forward. And let's just let's just let him simmer into the league a little bit. And I think this is just uh, a team to keep your eye on moving forward. Most definitely. Well, moving on to another team that uh, always provides a bit of excitement in this division, 
Cleveland Browns. Yeah, with Cleveland, you know, you just keep wanting to get excited for them year after year, offseason after so finally they're going <laughs> to, you know, ever they they built such a great team and then they got uh they moved to Baltimore, became the Ravens and ultimately went on to go win the Super Bowl, which was just a huge slap in the face to the Cleveland Browns fans. <laughs> you know, so you bring back the Cleveland Browns as an organization, uh, as an expansion team, uh and they just seem to just continually struggle just to put together a solid unit that just can consistently produce. They, they got their guy in their franchise quarterback in Baker Mayfield, we hope. You know, Baker's, a lot of people are calling that Baker is kind of in a, a make it or break it, almost like a Trubisky year this year. Yeah, he's a big X factor on this team. Yeah, for sure. You know, he he looked great as a rookie. He definitely put up some great numbers, but last year was a down year, and he looked terrible scrambling behind that poorest offensive line, trying to get anything going. Odell could just develop no chemistry together. Um, Jarvis Landry, though, was a bit of a bright spot. You know, they bring in Austin Hooper. And so with this team, I, I think you got to look at what is the identity of this team. And so uh, they bring in Jack Conklin and they draft Jedrick Wills out of Alabama to anchor the other side of the line for Jack Conklin. And, you know, that was a big that was a big key for this offseason was, uh, you know, really, really bolstering that offensive line. And so with this team, again, as I alluded to before, right now their strength is a running game. And now after bolstering their offensive line, anchoring those tackle positions, I still think they need some work on the interior of that uh, of that line. But you do have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And oh, my God, <laughs> Nick, Nick Chubb. I, I'm a fan. He's he's definitely won me some games last season. Yeah, no, he was uh, just a monster in production last season. And, you know, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you got to be thinking that they need to take advantage of having these two top-flight guys while they do because I, I can't see Kareem Hunt being on this team next year. I'm surprised that they were even able to keep him this year. I, I kind of did expect some teams to uh, be willing to pay that second-round tender to grab him because he's just that talented. Now, you know, I understand the argument with uh, what happened at the Cleveland Hotel that got him kicked off the, the Chiefs to begin with, and then he, right around the time of, uh, of the uh, the, the second-round tender that they put on Kareem Hunt, he also, I believe, had an incident with, uh, I, I believe he was driving while intoxicated. I think it was a marijuana-related incident. And so I, I can understand if you had some character concerns about this and you just don't want to waste the capital and draft picking up a guy that's not a rookie and i don't know it, to me cream hunt is just too insane of a talent i kind of was pulling for the bears to go grab him to be honest with you uh him and david montgomery together i think would just be insane uh, and then you have Tariq cohen as a as your gadget guy but uh for this cleveland browns team you got to take advantage of the fact that you have these guys they're both profiled as just workhorse running backs i mean you can say what you want about nick chubb out of the backfield as as a pass catcher i think he's got some talent there i remember seeing some just specific monstrous catches that nick chubb made that just wowed me you know yeah. absolutely but kareem whereas you know nick chubb is serviceable out of the backfield uh catching you know kareem hunt is just spectacular at it and so I don't think that they're going to treat Kareem Hunt as a third down back. I think that you're going to see kind of a 1A, 1B situation. You're going to see them situationally bounce back and forth between these two guys. And so, you know, Nick Chubb's going to have the higher draft capital, but I think Kareem Hunt later on in drafts is one of those guys that can later turn into like a, a league winner if something were to happen to Nick Chubb. Hunt will just dominate the backfield here. And with this defense, yeah, that. that it's a, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, and I think overall, from a fantasy perspective, the, the positions that you're going to be drafting in fantasy, there's a lot to like on this team. A lot of people that I'm going to be keeping eyes on and may end up with. I've had several of them on my teams in the past. As I said, Nick Chubb. I've had Austin Hooper, 
who did very well for me. So I'm keeping an eye out on these guys. I think I'm hoping that the offensive line additions gives them an opportunity to really step up. Yeah, so you bring it up. Uh, so for now, let's skip wide receivers and go straight to Austin Hooper because I do want to talk about this guy. They bring him in on a, what was it, a four-year, $40 million contract, if I'm not mistaken. Um, do you believe he's going to have the production to be that top 10 tight end that he's being projected as right now? I, I think it's going to be tough only because they're we're talking about a position that's definitely evolved over the past few years. Some uh, a position that I always like playing around with, streaming tight ends. That's how I ended up with Austin Hooper in the first place. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's what you're looking for. Ideally, what you got out of him last year, that's what you're looking for when you stream the position. Right. Is it, is, are we going to see that again this year? It's tough to say. Yeah, I'm leaning no, uh, personally. Uh, you know, I I don't see a ton of passing volume here. Uh, I want to say Baker only threw up about 22 touchdowns last season. And so, you know, maybe he takes a step forward, but what does that look like for him? Are we projecting 30 touchdowns? I don't think so. I, I, I kind of like him in the 22 to 26 range. Um, I think that'd be a pretty comfortable spot for him there. And then, so where do they all go? And, you know, you do have a decent amount of miles to feed here. You can't really take one player away and nobody else is going to beat you on this team. And so um, with Hooper, I think, you know, maybe it just depends on Odell. What do you, how do you feel about Odell? Does he have a bounce back season? I think this is his opportunity to have it. If, it, if it's going to happen, this is going to be the year. If it doesn't, I... I'd, I'd be worried just in the past because of what we've how we've seen that name slip further and further down each mm-hmm. year. This is this is going to be that make or break year for him. Yeah, you know, I'd love to see him stay healthy. I think yeah. that's really the biggest thing. And throughout his career, that's really been Odell's biggest thing is when he stays healthy, he's just a f- monster. He's fun to watch. Oh my goodness, you know, I right there one of my favorite moments yeah. in NFL history. And so, you know, just he does some some spectacular things just all the worldly talented and so maybe another year in the system he you know he develops that chemistry with baker maybe coming off that core surgery that definitely hampered him last year and it it looked like it hampered him i'm not gonna lie he didn't look 100 percent out there and throughout most of the season a lot of people were questioning what is wrong with this guy it just doesn't look like odell but then in the meantime you had jarvis landry step up and you had him become the team's true number one oh yeah stepping up from a, a down year that he had in his first year with baker because you got to remember when jarvis came from the dolphins you know jarvis on the dolphins was like 116 catch like four to six touchdowns a year kind of guy you know mostly going to work out of the slot and just do a lot of that short ppr damage they when they brought him into cleveland uh the year prior he they used him as a number one receiver and it, you could tell baker wasn't really comfortable throwing him the ball you could tell jarvis wasn't really comfortable running those kinds of routes it just everything just kind of looked off and then they bring in odell last year and so now Jarvis is things open up for him a little bit more he starts getting accustomed and you know I don't know that Jarvis's production is at the end of the year going to be that much worse than Odell's to be honest with you even if Odell stays healthy and so I kind of personally like the discount value that you're getting out of Jarvis versus Odell right now you're still paying that top price for for uh, Odell Beckham, mm-hmm. but with Jarvis Landry, he's just almost perennially disrespected fantasy football <laughs> drafts. And you know, he you can get him in like the five six round range. And if you're getting what could end up being the number one target over in Cleveland, I think that there's a lot to speak to that. Yeah, definite value spot if you catch him in, in those rounds. Yeah, for sure. All um, right. Anything else you want to say? We touched a bit on the defense. 
you know they um, they have a solid yeah they have a solid unit they have Miles Garrett they have Denzel Ward just two outstanding elite level players and then you bring in Andrew Sandejo to kind of shore up that secondary a little bit more out of uh, Minnesota Sandejo now he's 32 years old say what you will about that um, but he was still getting it done at three picks last year and this guy is just a monster he's a He's got a nose for where the football's going to go. You know, whether it's he's trying to cut off a route or he's just meeting off a running back, you know. He's he's all over the place. And so that's a really solid ad. I'd love to see this team finally just kind of click together. And moving on to uh, one of the most stable teams in this division, the Ravens. Hmm. And Lamar Jackson, is he, is he coming back down to earth? And moving on to... Uh, one of the most stable teams in this division, the Ravens, hmm. and Lamar Jackson, is he is he coming back down to earth? Last year he had 36 touchdowns and 6 interceptions. I don't think his arm is that good. I don't think the talent at the wide receiver slash tight end position is necessarily that good. Now, you got to understand, when it comes to Lamar Jackson, you gotta, you got to understand the blueprint that the Ravens are trying to follow. And it's actually an old one. It's actually based way back in the beginnings of football, where you have just a monster running football team, an O-line geared towards running the ball, a backfield geared towards a lot of running backs that can just pound the ball in there. You have your elite playmakers. You have your guys who can catch it out of the backfield. You have your monster tight ends, your big targets, and then you got your really fast guy that's just going to stretch the field and keep them from really putting eight men in the box every freaking play. And you can't really do that with Lamar anyway because you have to set edge contain, right? So... When it when it comes to this team, you just have to understand that back in the when they drafted Lamar Jackson with I, I want to say the thirty first or the thirty second overall pick in the, you know out of the first round, it was right at the tail end of the first round. They also drafted Hayden Hurst ahead of him, and then they drafted Mark Andrews in either the second or the third round. I can't remember off the top of my head, right behind him, and so. They made a point of getting a running quarterback that doesn't really have a great arm specifically and two massive tight ends that are just athletic freaks. And then the following year, they followed that up with Hollywood Brown to stretch the field. The writing was on the wall going into last year of what this was going to look like. I think they kind of took the lead by storm and how efficient they were at it. But... You know, this is going to come back down to earth. The New York Giants on national TV years ago showed us how to shut down Michael Vick. Okay? And so once you see the league start to catch up with what the Ravens are doing, and you're kind of seeing that with these athletic freaks that kind of play every position. Jabril Peppers came into the league a few years ago. I think he was kind of underrated in that regard because he can play all over the field. Isaiah Simmons is the big name from this draft class. The one over to the Cardinals. Uh, great pick by the Cardinals, by the way. And uh, he can play just all over the field. Just athletic freaks all around. You're seeing the speed of linebackers come up. You're seeing them get a little bit smaller, but a lot faster. And so so I, I think as the league is going to balance itself out, and I think that this does come back down to earth, I think once you start challenging Lamar Jackson to win the game from the pocket with his arm, you're going to see him kind of crumble a little bit. You're going to see him turn the ball over a lot, and you're going to see his interceptions come up into easily into the double digits. I, I'd be willing to call for double-digit interceptions this year. Well, uh, anything else to say about the Ravens? I mean, they, there's stability. There's, it's a formula that's worked. And we'll probably continue to work for a bit. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that these guys are probably the odds on among the Super Bowl favorites uh, for this season. If you want to take your bet on them, it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. But uh, they, they, with that backfield that they got, it doesn't really matter how well Lamar does. And that's kind of the thing about using Lamar Jackson as your quarterback and doing this style of offense. You have Mark Ingram, who's just still a monster, about to turn, thir- about to turn 31 in December, but still getting it done. Usually 30 is that cutoff for running backs. That's yeah. when the, the wheels fall off. You know, you hear all this uh, talk about Frank Gore and how he is the infinity stone, <laughs> you know, um, just that he is all that is infinite. It, it, it is a surprise of how well Gore is still getting it done at his age because at, once you get so much mileage on your body, running backs start to break down. And, and Mark Ingram, we're not seeing that quite yet. I think when it happens, it's going to happen quick. But they've already kind of prepped for themselves for that. And they have J.K. Dobbins, who I think can take a real just massive impact uh, uh, for fantasy if Mark Ingram does go down at any point in time. You'll still probably see Gus Edwards and Justice Hill a little bit, but I think this is really going to be the Mark Ingram and J.K. show. Excellent. All right, so rounding out AFC North, Pittsburgh Steelers. And they've made some interesting moves here. Some stuff to get excited about. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's there's potential. Not this year necessarily, but... Well, maybe. It depends, it depends on Ben. It's a, to, right. to be honest with you, I, I honestly, I think that it, if it's going to be any year, it's got to be this year because I don't know that ben, Big Ben has another year. You know what I mean? He's coming off that injury and with his elbow that was just devastating. And so with him and his age and just trying to sling that ball downfield, because he, he loves to launch the ball, what does Big Ben look like this year? I think will really dictate what the Steelers look like. They had the pieces. They had the pieces last year. You know how I know? Because they were 8-8 eight and eight with the worst quarterback play <laughs> I have ever seen in the history of the freaking game. And so... Um, I know kudos to Mike Tomlin for for taking second in the division with an eight and eight record with yeah. that with that team. You know, you know, trading for Minka Fitzpatrick after after realizing that the defense was just wasn't getting it done. You know, it, somehow that you know, that trade alone just kind of re morphed that entire defense into a solid top flight unit again, which they usually are. It was a little bit surprising to see how handily they were getting beat last year. I think part of that was declining play from Joe Hayden, though, uh, you know, but uh, bringing in Minka definitely helps things. So I think that defense with TJ Watt looking to take another step forward this year uh, gets to joined by his brother as a fullback. Now that I think is a, is a big add. I think that's really going to help James Conner. I, I think that's really going to help James Conner health-wise, to be honest with you, if they use him. Watt is an insanely great fullback, and so if they really try to play smash mouth football with James Conner, he's proven that his body can't hang up with that. But you put a big body blocker in front of him, kind of take off a little bit of that, you know, the impact of some of those hits that Conner will be taking. I think that'll help out quite a bit. Um, you know, Conner's got some speed and he's got some moves in. More, import- more importantly with him, he's a patient runner. And so when you, when you give him more blockers, he can be patient and find his hole, make his cut. And, and, that's really how you see Lev Bell handling his health over time and why he's been so reliable because when you are able to cut through your holes and you have to get tackled as you're at a full head of steam, the way you fall, you're not taking the brunt of a big impact at the line of the scrimmage. You're more being able to fall on your side, kind of go down on your own terms, and that just helps with running back health so insanely much. So I I think they have the opportunity to let – Connor be the bell cow that Tomlin wants him to be, and if they don't, they've they've done some good job uh, identifying Benny Snell, who's a capable backup, but bringing in McFarland, who's going to be just electric coming out of that backfield with a four 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 forty. You know, this guy is so 
freaky fast. <laughs> it's so fast. Makes other guys look not fast. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, player comps to Devontae Freeman, but this is a guy that looks to make one cut and then he's just gone. Yeah. And so the, I, I expect to see a lot of swing passes with him out of the backfield, kind of taking some pressure off Connor a little bit. Uh, I like this team. I like this team a lot, and I, I look forward to them becoming a playoff team again. Yeah, and McFarland is definitely one that I'm keeping an eye on um, because of what you mentioned. He's he's gonna be getting if he gets free, he's gone. He's sure. he's he's gonna he's gonna move, and he's got the athleticism to make those cuts and get free. For sure, and another guy. And the funny part is they have another guy in that offense who is their number one in Juju Smith Schuster. Yeah, and this guy can take it to the house anytime he touches the ball. Uh, he had some really high draft capital investment last year, and so when the quarterback play declined and he just couldn't get it done, you know, he had question marks surrounding him even with that high draft capital. People were still willing to pay that much to get him, even with the question marks of can he get it done without Antonio Brown there? Because now he's the number one. Right. And can he take all that attention and still get it done? I think with Juju, what we saw is that he's not as kind of like a Cooper Cup, not as good on the perimeter, better in the slot. Really attacks those zones and really almost kind of seamlessly tiptoes through those zones and finds the open space for the quarterback to hit him, and then he's just gone. And so I think that uh, with Juju, they're expecting to bring him back into the slot. I do expect a bounce back season from Juju. I think that you can trust him. I think that where he's going right now in drafts is kind of a value. Look for him to be featured in our value episode that we film in a few weeks. And uh, I'm more curious. I mean, Deontay Johnson is gonna is gonna get a shot on the outside, and uh, you know he showed he was got some pretty remarkable skills of himself last year. I'm more curious about the James Washington versus Chase Claypool question mark and is James Washington going to get another shot or are they just going to move right on to Chase Claypool, the big body guy? You know Big Ben likes his big body guys. Oh, yeah. And this guy can freaking move. Well, just just being 6'4", already a decent size. Yeah, 238 pounds. 6'4", with a 4'4", 240. Yeah. I mean, that's that's lightning. You know, and then you add on to the fact that he's 238 pounds. Get him going with a full head of steam and try to... I want to see a safety or cornerback try to stop this guy. He's... You know, there's a lot of candidates to be next year's uh, A.J. Brown. I would probably put Claypool in that regard. Just in the fact of efficiency from taking place to the house and just a tank nobody can stop. I mean, you just look at this guy physically. and He's got the physical tools. Now, the question is, is he going to get the opportunity? Is he going to have that trust from Big, Big Ben? And can Big Ben's elbow get him the ball? Yeah. Remains to be seen. Yeah, the, uh, the, the final touch on this team will be Eric Ebron. Uh, now, I know that this they brought in Vance McDonald to be the guy. Everyone was trying to do the Vance dance <laughs> for the past couple of years and just couldn't get it done. Does he completely, you know, is this the Eric Ebon show? Is he the next big thing for the uh, for the Steelers? They did pay him, uh, was it a two-year, $12 million? You know, so they did bring him in for a decent amount of money, but it was a short contract, almost like a prove-it thing where they can cut ties with him if yeah. he doesn't get it get it done. Big Ben does like, like I said, his big body guy, so he's definitely going to like his... Uh, Big Eric Ebron, um, you know, he showed that he could be a red zone just monster just only two seasons ago. And uh, you might be right about getting him at a bit of a discount because of his down season from last year. They might not have paid as much as they otherwise could have. So, yeah, this could be a a, a sneaky, very uh, productive ad for the team if he blows up. But I just, with him, I just feel like you're rolling the dice. And there's a lot of other guys in that tier that I think I might just prefer over him. Yeah, I'm sitting in the same way. He's had production, but 
coming off of coming off of a down year, there's still a lot of questions, and there's not really the there's not really so much to get super excited about that would make me take the chance over some of the other talent. Yeah, for sure. In those in those potential draft spots now, and there's you, a decent amount of miles to feed. Now, Big Ben has proven that he can handle more than one top tier that's fantasy true. asset, though, and so you do have to keep that in mind. If Big Ben is truly back and the bearded man is all <laughs> shaved up and ready to go, you know, who are we identifying here? Is it, it's got to be Juju, right? Does Connor take a step forward or does he get hurt? Yeah. You know, uh, Deontay Johnson, I think, is definitely going to uh, continue to build off where he left off. So, you know, maybe there is enough there for maybe there is enough volume for Eric Ebon to really shell out here. All right. AFC East. All right, AFC East. We, uh, there's some big stuff to talk about here. We'll start with the Bills. Yeah, this is a very, very, very interesting and polarizing division for sure. <laughs> um, you know, looking at the Bills, I, I, I think the big question mark on this team, kind of like how you said uh, Baker's the X Factor on the, the Browns, mm-hmm. well, coming out of, I believe that same draft class was Josh Allen. Yeah. And, he is a big question mark. He's a big X factor. Now he took a great step forward last year for fantasy fantasy football value, and even kind of in the you know for NFL value too. He was a little bit more consistent than people thought he might be, and he was consistently putting up more fantasy value yeah. than people were expecting from him. And so for this guy, the the great part is, to be honest with you, when we when we talk about Lamar, I almost want to talk about Josh Allen in the same sentence. Now, you know, Josh Allen's got the stronger arm but when you talk about uh passing capability i kind of have those guys a little bit in line with each other to be honest with you and but whereas lamar jackson has more of the elite level running ability josh allen is just a more of a fantastic big body hard to stop running kind of more of a cam newton-esque so you know maybe it's more like comparing cam and, and lamar you know and that's and that's something that I kind of put all these guys all in the same boat. Uh, great at running the ball. I wish they were just a little bit better at passing. Right, and they gave him a good pass catcher target this year. Does his his accuracy, his completion percentage worry you that our new pickup in Stefan Diggs mm. might not have someone throwing to him that's going to let him be the star he should be? Yeah, so, you know, when we talk about polarizing, Stefan Diggs is definitely one of the names at the top of the list here. I mean, you can see, on, on one hand, you, you have the argument of how much the Bills gave up to get this guy. I mean, uh, let's go through that haul right now. So the Bills gave up um, to the Vikings a 20, 2020 first round, fifth round, and sixth round pick, and a 21 fourth round pick, and received in return Stefan Diggs and a seventh round pick. So, that's big. Yeah, I mean, that's just a slew of picks for really just Diggs and just a, a dark horse shot. And so when you look at Diggs, he's coming off a 2018 season where he had 102 receptions for 1,021 and nine touchdowns. Last year, 63 receptions only, but 1,130 yards and six touchdowns. And so, you know, this is a guy that is definitely a top-tier talent in the league. The question is, can Josh Allen get him the ball? Josh Allen sub 60% completion rate tells me no. Yeah. And Diggs is, is great at getting separation, sure. But I, I just don't know that he's just going to go get it, go get the ball. I think they're going to use uh, Diggs on a lot of these prototypical wide receiver one routes. And I don't know that Josh Allen is able to just hit him. I'd rather just – Josh Allen's best uh, attribute is just either running the ball or launching it deep and letting somebody go get it. Um, I'd be – 
a little bit worried about Stefan Diggs's production with Josh Allen slinging on the ball. But, I mean, yes, the rest of the industry kind of seems in line with this as well. When you look at where uh, Stefan Diggs is going for his ADP here, we pull it up, and he's right around the 55 overall spot. They got him at wide receiver 24 for his average draft position, which is, I think, just insanely low for oh, yeah. who Diggs, you know, could be as a, would would you blink if Stefan Diggs shelled out for let's say fourteen hundred and nine this no. upcoming season? No, no, and I don't think I would either. And so, you know, he he does have that top tier ability. So with Diggs, I I think that you're already kind of getting him at at the the median, maybe even the low end of what he's capable of. And so you don't really have to worry about him returning the value if you do want to take the shot on him. I think he's a pretty safe bet for um you know, what this team wants him to do and where he's being drafted for sure. Um and then I just want to circle back real quick to the backfield in this team. Uh, they did let go of Frank Gore, who definitely drove down the production for Devin Singletary this year. But they did bring down bring in Zach Moss, who they drafted. Player comparison to Frank Gore. The team comes out saying, hey, he's going to have the Frank Gore role. You know, and Frank Gore completely handicapped Devin Singletary's kind of upside. You know, this guy is an electric running back. Um, and a lot of people want to trust Singletary going into this next season. How do you feel about Zach Moss and his impact? Well, I mean, do I, you do you think that he's is, does he look to you to be more? Are you expecting as a rookie for him to be like an eight to twelve carry guy, or do you think he's going to be what Frank Gore was more in the beginning of the year last year, where Frank was getting like twelve to fifteen? I think they're going to take that chance. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced he's going to hold up to it at first. I don't it, think so. I, I think it might take a little bit of build time. Okay. Um, I think he's definitely got a shot to have the goal line role, which is extremely oh, important for fantasy definitely. football value. Uh, and that's, like, he's going to be the one that, you know, your, your buddy's got someone getting you downfield, getting them downfield all day, and now you're going to vulture that TD <laughs> right at the end yeah, and make I mean, up more points. He's definitely going to be the between-the-tackles runner, too. I'm just, I'm, I'm curious how many touches he's really going to get. I think I might be a little bit more in line with you. Um, as far as the beginning of the season, maybe through the first four to six games, maybe he does only get the eight to 12 touches and then maybe closing into the midway point of the season, he starts getting the the more trust. If he can build up the confidence in the coaching staff to get the 12 to 15. Yeah. I think they want him to be there for sure. Yeah. And I I do too. And so I think that we are going to see him kind of limit the upside for Devin single a little bit, but you know, Devin Singletary is a smaller back. And so, you know, he's right up around 200 pounds. So, in theory, his body can take a bit, a larger role in his offense. But you almost get the feeling that Buffalo doesn't want to use him that way. They want him fresh and they just want him to be electric. Because this is not a guy. You got to remember, De- Devin Singletary looks electric when he's running the ball in the field. And he's, he's one of those guys that passes the eye test. But when you look at the metrics, his 40 times low. Yeah. I want to say it was, you know. Uh, higher than a four or five, I want to put him in the four sixes if I don't remember if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. So yeah, you know he doesn't look that slow, but um, I think they want to keep him fresh and just kind of let him do his thing to carry this this offense. And then you know you also have uh, Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox there. They're they're there. Yeah, and they're 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 going to contribute. They're not going to just go away completely. So when you have a team that's putting up an av- you're probably probably going to be looking to put up about twenty points a game and let their defense shut things out. They're going to be a run heavy team. Um, I just I'm I'm concerned about how much 
uh, upside Stephon Diggs has, how much upside Devin Singletary has, especially with Josh Allen. I think if there's a piece to own here, it really probably would be Josh Allen because he gets to benefit from Singletary out of the backfield. John Brown running deep. Stephon Diggs just grabbing everything he can get his hands on. Yeah. You know, um, he's I, got people that are going to make him look good if he can get the ball where it needs to be. For sure. And I, I'd be a little wary trusting him to get the ball to these other guys, but I would definitely be uh, able to trust these other guys making Josh Allen look like a, a, a top fantasy option at the quarterback position. Any other big moves with the Bills that we need to bring up? Uh, you know, Josh Norman coming in, I just, for me, I just find that sadistically intriguing uh, because now Josh Josh Norman is one of the known for being one of the biggest miles in football. You look at him and the feud that he had with Odell. <laughs> that was just one of those fun things to watch, right. you know, and lately you've seen Josh Norman kind of quiet down because his play quieted down. Yep. And so, you know, now he's coming in and maybe he's lost step. Maybe he just needed a change in atmosphere. I don't know what's going on with him. But he is aging, that's for sure. But he's coming in, he's not the number one corner anymore. Now, Tredavious White is a monster. <laughs> and this defense is a monster. Yeah. These guys have probably one of the top def- top five defenses in the league. I'm a massive fan of Tremaine Edmonds. I actually wanted Tremaine Edmonds over Roquan Smith in that draft. And so I wanted that big guy with the big wingspan just showing up the middle of the defense. And that's what he does over in Buffalo. Yeah. And... You know, they they have pieces where the pressure is not really on Norman anymore. So if he can come back even to a little bit of his former glory, I think that this could be a lot of fun. And you can see the, the Buffalo Bills defense just kind of ball out this year. <laughs> you, you got two, you got you got multiple division rivals. All three of the division rivals, to be honest with you. Uh, Cam's going to throw his fair share of picks. Fitzmagic doesn't give a crap <laughs> he's just gonna wing it out right sure you know and then you got darnold who uh, obviously it's pretty easy to get to him so right. and make him make mistakes uh that's been proven thus far hopefully he for himself can take a step forward but uh yeah this bill's defense man I'm, I'm looking forward to them having a lot of fun and i'm gonna have a lot of fun watching them yeah i think the team comp overall has a lot to be excited for and hopeful for how that comes together we'll see when the season starts but if things work if what they've put together works, I think they're going to be a definite contender this year and for, yeah. for at least for exciting games. Yeah, you know, pre-Cam Newton signing, I had Bills as the leader for this division. I think it, for me it was pretty clear-cut and, uh, um, you know, I they just have the best team in my opinion. They're just built the best way. Uh, you can make a, a, a good solid argument for the Dolphins and I, I could get that. We'll, we'll, we'll address them next. But, uh, you know, with this Cam Newton signing... Ooh, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> that, that, I don't know. That turns a lot of things oh, around, yeah. doesn't it? Oh, yeah. The Bill went, oh, yeah, we're just going to flip this table here. Yeah, Forget exactly. everything you thought. <laughs> we are still contenders. As, as, as he is the type that will do something. Like that, yeah. <laughs> All right, but before we get to that, let's let's talk about this has got to be one of the the most interesting offseason teams this year. Talking sure. about uh, Miami wanna, Dolphins. You want to talk about just turning <laughs> the game board over on its end? They get they let go of Minka Fitzpatrick. They let go of. Uh, I mean, just look at look at the moves on that list. There are some the names that get shifted around are incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, they they lost their big name tackle uh, over to the Texans. Uh, was it during the year last year? Or was it the year prior? I, I just don't remember. Uh, but they got a good draft, first round draft pick for that. But you know, they let go of Minka Fitzpatrick, Xavier uh, Howard. At one point, I think was even rumored to be wanting a trade. It almost looked like they were just fire selling everything. And then they loaded up on draft picks. What was it, fifteen or some some nonsense yeah. like that? Fifteen draft picks. 
ridiculous. There's yeah. seven rounds, man. Well, we're definitely seeing some moves towards what has been build years for the Dolphins. Some of that's starting to come to fruition this year hmm. with a lot of money being thrown around. Yeah, you know, they're definitely throwing some money around. It, with some of these moves, you almost want to feel like they're trying to build to be competitive this year. I don't even know if they think that they're going to be Super Bowl contenders or anything like that. But, um, you know, they, they definitely made a clear-cut effort to try to be competitive this season, even though they're clearly in a rebuild mode. Yeah. Me, I don't personally. I don't like that that philosophy. I understand that it's the NFL, and you always have to compete. And I'm not about just selling out to do a full rebuild. And I don't care if we finish with zero wins this season. But at the same time, I think that you can be in a real build, rebuild mode, and your goal is to hit, you know, a 500 club and have something f- to look forward to the following year. I think that's what fans want to see the most, and where the you know, and these are businesses. This is all about money. They, yeah. they have to bring their fans to the games. And so I think Fitzmagic here, a quarterback, is going to definitely um, – he's a character. You know, he's a character. He loves to just just launch that ball. He just does not give a crap. He just loves playing. This is a guy that loves playing football. He's a super high IQ player. I think he went to Harvard, if I'm not mistaken. It was either Stanford or Harvard. I'm pretty sure it was Harvard. Um, I, th- I believe it was Harvard. Yeah, it, it might have been Stanford, though. But in any case, this guy is just uh, – He's a smart guy who knows he he's physically capable of playing NFL, and he just wants to just have fun, and that's all he wants to do. You know, you, you see that with the Conor McGregor shades and the gold chains, and yeah. just this guy is just he's a riot. He's a yeah. character, and he's not afraid of throwing picks. He doesn't care. <laughs> he he he's like Jameis with the attitude. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so you look at this. I say. You're in a rebuild mode. Let him have fun. Let him just keep launching the ball to Devontae Parker. Build off Parker's success that he had last year because you waited, what, four or five years to get that success out of Devontae Parker? You know, you have Preston Williams who flashed early and then got hurt. I'm looking for him to take a a big step in year two. Um, You got Albert Wilson, I think, coming back off injury. That's a key. That's going to be clutch that not a lot of people are talking about. Um, Albert Wilson's got one of those game-breaking kind of gadget player abilities, kind of like the Tariq Cohen of the wide receiver position. Yeah. And, you know, he's finally coming hopefully healthy. Uh, in the last year of his pseudo-paid contract, it was a three-year contract where he, I think I want to say it was like $24 million, so, you know, right around $8 million a year. And he when, he, when he's on the field, the guy is freaking electric. And now you have people on the offense other than him that can actually yeah. catch the ball. And you have Mike Kosicki, which a lot of people are projecting to take a step forward this year as well. The guy's just a physical. I think he graded out at the 99th percentile in the combine. The guy, sne- Sneaky, sleepily, one of the most physically gifted tight ends in the league among the top, you know, right up there with O.J. Howard, I think. And, uh, you know, so Albert Wilson, I think, it, it can very sneakily have a very productive uh, season this year. Now, I don't know if that's going to translate to fantasy, you know, he's he might be one of those boom-bust players where maybe you're looking to get him in the right matchup. Yeah. Uh, he might be, but he's a guy that you're not going to have to pay for in fantasy drafts anywhere. And so um, the only other thing to talk about with this offense is I love the additions with Jordan Howard and Matt Burita. Yeah, definitely making some moves at a otherwise weaker running back core. And you got two good names. I, I think decent pickups. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Howard just always disrespected everywhere he goes. I loved him in Chicago. I was sad to see him. I was yelling about the, <laughs> what was it, a fifth or a sixth round pick we got for him? Like, I think we spent a fifth round pick on him. 
Like, and, and, and he was a hit as far as fifth round picks consider, are considered. So I, don't, I didn't really understand that. I know yeah. they, were, they were just trying to clear some room and they needed the draft capital investments because of how limited they are in the cap space. But anyway, we'll talk about more on that when we get to the Bears segment. When it comes to Jordan Howard and Matt Burita, I almost kind of feel like this is the beginnings of like a Voltron Megazord kind of piecing together. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you got Jordan Howard who's just incredibly efficient in between the tackles. You got Matt Burita who's efficient anytime he gets the ball, oh, yeah. but isn't really spectacular in and of He's a small guy. He's not going to be great in between the tackles, but sure. he's got great catching ability out of the backfield and so you can really kind of piece together uh, your offense with what you want to accomplish you could even put roll try them both out on the field at the same time yeah and really keep the defensive guessing you, you could do a lot of fun things with these two guys and some of the weapons that they have so this offense I, I i finally feel like they might actually be an offense this year yeah well let me ask you this from a fantasy perspective jordan howard matt breda hmm. who do you like if, if, if you're at a point where you've got some space available, running backs, you're at that part of your list, is it, you going one over the other? Yeah, I am. And But to be honest with you, it, it is still going to depend on uh, league setup. Are we talking full PPR? Are we talking, you know, um, what are the specifics of the league in the, in the situation that you're working with? What are the running backs that you're working with? What are you looking at do you need a guy that can kind of be that more ppr machine that's got back do you already have like say if you drafted derrick henry and you know maybe a, a, a mark ingram or so as your rb2 do you do you necessarily want another running back like jordan howard as as your guy behind them or do you do you want kind of more of the ppr guy maybe take a shot on somebody who's, who's going to profile a little bit different and you know burita can take it to the house and so maybe you're looking to get something more electric out of that but Usually I lean Howard in this offense, and I'll tell you why. Typically, Howard, you can get him in like the 8th, ninth round, and when you're talking about a guy who's going to be the lead dog as far as a first and second down work, he's probably going to see the majority of snaps. Howard is, is a pretty efficient pass blocker, too. And so um, I'd be more comfortable with Jordan Howard where he's being drafted because I think that he's he's probably going to, if he stays healthy the whole season, he's probably going to be, if not a thousand yard rusher, darn close, and probably still put up anywhere between six and ten TDs for you, depending on how efficient this offense is. And so, at eight nine round value, uh, that's just too much to pass up for me. I don't really see Breida having that reliable role, but I, I, I could see him if you want to take a shot at somebody who's a little bit more explosive. Yeah. And one last fantasy question for you. Okay. Particularly as it involves dynasty leagues, the pickup of Tua. Hmm. Yeah, so is Tua going to play this year? A lot of people, you know, it it almost, I was calling that the Dolphins were going to draft Tua before Tua even got hurt, you know, and this whole, you know, you, you can call, talk to talk about the tanking for Tua thing, you know, Joe Burrow did blow up, and I, I still felt like Tua was just a perfect fit for this Dolphins team. Um, the guy is just, he's got the capability to be something else the league hasn't really seen yet. I think the perfect almost... What people want Lamar Jackson to be, I think, is what Tua can be. Maybe not as prolific as a runner out of the backfield, but I don't think Tua will need to be. I mean, you look at his numbers at Alabama and just how incredibly efficient this guy was. He just really doesn't turn the ball over. And so when it comes to rookie quarterbacks, I am almost always against starting them at all in the rookie season, unless you want to talk about maybe the, the final quarter of the season, if, if it's just a lost year. You know, let him get some experience and all that. Yeah, sure, that's fine. But... I like 
you know, Gene Hackman and the replacements put it best. You know, you should be carrying a clipboard your first year, not carrying the team. You know, you got a young guy who's coming in and he's learning everything about the NFL and how everything is different as opposed to college and high school. You got the game speed, which is much different. And you have to have programmed responses physically in your for your body according to every instance and every circumstance you're going to see on the field, right? And it takes time to develop that. And so, and it takes time to learn what your coaches want you to do for that team that you just got drafted to. And so for a quarterback, let them learn everything that's expected of them and everything that the coach wants to see from them and let them kind of relax a little bit and kind of ease into it. When you thrust them in and they don't perform, it can sow the seeds for some discourse among the team, among the team members, you know, it can, it can sow seeds of doubt in the quarterback's confidence. And that is when you're the guy slinging the ball and you're throwing it as hard as you can, trying to fit it into like a needle's worth of space in between two defenders at your guy, 25 yards down the field, you know, you have to have the confidence in your arm. You start to lose that. You start to lose a little bit of what you got. And so I am almost never okay with putting a, a rookie quarterback in to lead off the season I want to uh you know in he's coming off a hip injury and so do you want to risk your quarterback getting hurt to the point where he can't even play football anymore when you spent this such high capital on him so you know let Fitzmagic do his thing let him sling the gut ball around let Tua sit on the bench and let his butt heal up real good you know there's no rush here you know let's have some fun this season just have some fun in my you're in Miami have some fun <laughs> all right moving on to and I'm going to say this real quiet because I know the Jets. The Jets, <laughs> yeah. the team that's... Uh, I know, we love talking about the Jets, don't we? Um, no, but there, there is some... There's, there's, excite- some, there's some excitement yeah. here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, If not for the team itself, for some individuals. You know, I would have to say that if you look at this Jets offseason... Um, they addressed something a little bit better than I would have expected them to because they needed to adjust the same thing last year and they didn't. And so this year they really they really threw some capital at it. They brought in Josh Andrews out of Indianapolis to who's a graded out as PFF has him at a top ten center in the league. You know, you bring in their uh, Mackay Becton. That's right, the big the big guy. Oh my God, this guy is a gigantic mountain of a man. And the freak thing about it is, I'm pretty sure this guy runs right around like a. a a five second 40 time like this guy can actually move for being yeah. someone which, that monstrously which big. Don't, don't let that number sound deceptive something that size it should not be moving train. that yeah that's a free train moving that yeah. i mean how, granted how muscles tackle, and like, tendons can manage to move that much mass and that is kind of my point on this guy so a lot of a lot of people are really concerned and for those of you looking at the graphics i apologize about the uh the typo on the name here but um with Mackay Becton, the big concern about him is can he keep up with the edge rushers that are those speed guys that just have those otherworldly swim moves like, you know, the Joey and Nick Bosa, you got Khalil Mack, you got um, just all these edge rushers that are it's becoming a dominant position in the NFL and you're seeing a lot of teams try to pick up their guy for this. Can he physically maneuver himself around to block these guys? Very good question. Yeah. You know, and I think... That's that's a reasonable question. The the Jets seem to feel like he can. I think that the the fact that he can move as fast as he can is at least encouraging. Right. His shuttle drill was incredibly impressive. And so I think that this guy can move way better than anybody at 360 pounds has a right to move. But <laughs> Yeah, you're definitely not plowing through him, but there is that that question of can you outmaneuver him? And with some of the the players like you were saying, the teams are 
building that way to maneuver around some of these monster guys, will he be able to keep up with someone coming around him as opposed to trying to go through him? Because we know no one's going through him. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, for for Mackay Becton, yeah, to get around him, you for sure have to cover a ton of real estate. Does the addition of Mackay Becton and Josh Andrews really um, solidify this line enough to let Darnold take the step forward that this guy needs to take? You want to talk about, you know, this year's Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, Baker Mayfield is in that conversation. I think Sam Darnold's got to be too. If he doesn't take a step forward, just really take charge of this offense, especially after the disaster last year with the open mic uh, on him during the Monday Night Football game. You know, poor guy. Um, But there should be some level of privacy for the players. You know what I'm saying? You should be comfortable talking to your guys and your coaches and not have to worry about what the rest of the league is going to think. You know what I'm saying? And uh, every every man on this planet has a weak moment in their in their time on this planet, you know? And so can he take can he really take a step forward and just really take charge of the team? He's got the attitude to do it. They drafted him, you know, as uh touting Joe Namath's style of swagger. And so, you know, this kid's coming from California. Which you know, that's high praise, by the way. Yeah, that was insanely high praise. I thought it was a little bit unfair to give Darnold because he did struggle a lot at USC, especially with the turnovers. Turnovers was a big question for this kid. And so you you go back to what I was talking about with quarterbacks and their confidence, and I think you see a little bit that with that Darnold and you see it affecting his play on the field and maybe this line shores it up enough for him to feel a little bit more comfortable and you know maybe he is able to get it I just I have my concerns because of Adam Gase and just the way he runs his offenses and you know there's something to be said for getting the most productive year that Jay Cutler's ever gotten out of Chicago but you know he really where Adam Gase really made his money was with Peyton Manning and so how much of it was realistically Peyton Manning how much of it was Adam Gase right Based on what we saw over in Miami, it doesn't look good. You see the discord between him and Lev Bell. You know, he's saying, oh, yeah, 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 I like Lev Bell just fine. But he made it very clear he did not like the signing. And to be honest with you, for $57 million, I'm not sure I would either. (laughs) But, you know, and even that was still a pay cut over what I think the Steelers were willing to pay him. It ended up being a mistake for Lev Bell to sit out. The thing about Lev Bell is that last year we had to pay up to take that shot on him coming off of that year that he sat out and so you had to spend that late first round early second round if you were if you were lucky you were still unlucky because you had to spend a mid you know second round pick on him and he still tanked for what that value was and so i think with this year people see kind of what his floor is and uh, not really much of a reason to believe he'll really drastically outproduce that floor. And so you're seeing him go more in like the 3-4 range. If you're lucky, maybe in the fifth round range. I think in yeah. the fifth round is where I would feel comfortable taking Lev Bell. Um, but in this office, there's just not a lot of there's not a lot to be inspired by here. You have some options at the wide receiver position. Yeah. You have you, you have Jamison Crowder, who's a PPR machine. You still have Quincy. Nobody's talking about Quincy Aninua. As far as I'm aware, he's still on the team. Yeah, I haven't seen anything that that shows that he's not on this team. And he was really the kind of their their go to. You bring in Denzel Mims. You bring in uh, Rashad Perryman, who had his quasi breakout with the Bucks after you know highly you know Perryman was a highly uh, drafted uh, first round pick, highly touted uh, receiver that just kind of kind of like a Devontae Parker. So now a lot of people are looking at Devontae Parker from the Dolphins and saying, okay. Is Perryman, the next guy. Yeah, is this about to happen with him? The same exact thing that we literally just saw. I lean no, only because if he was still on the Bucks, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I I could see I could see Godwin in the slot, Perryman and Evans on the outside. 
I would not be upset with that. In this offense, I, I'm going to lean no. I'm going to lean no. I, I just don't think he gets it done here. Um, I hope he does for his, the sake of his career. I would love to see him have uh, the, the, the resurgence that he was supposed to have in the beginning. Um, but I think if there's... There, I, Darnold, I think, is only really going to support one fantasy-relevant option. So you got to take your pick. Is it going to be Crowder with the PPR, or is it going to be Denzel Mims, who they brought they bring in with a second-round pick? This guy is a six foot three, two hundred pound, just monster, and he's he's got a limited route tree. This guy kind of profiles fairly similar to what uh, I would I would say a Des Bryant, to be honest with you. Kind of a limited route tree, big guy can go up and get the ball, good speed, uh, just kind of a dominant big catch radius kind of wide receiver um he had the production over at baylor you know you look at the 2018 season he had 55 catches for 794 yards and eight touchdowns last year he kind of balled out with 66 receptions 1020 yards and uh 12 touchdowns and so you know i i would put him i would put him closer to his 2018 season as a rookie and you know that's pretty fairly fantasy relevant and if that's yeah. what i think the bar is for denzel mims with sam darnold i think that uh he's maybe where the guy where i want to put my chips on this year because i don't think i don't think you have upside out of jameson crowder whereas you do have more upside out of mims yeah and i think just going from the offense on this jets team this year there's it's hard to get really excited about too many players because we're looking at the coaching and we're looking at the quarterback and saying we're not overly confident in either of these portions of the team but like you said if someone like Mims can step up and I agree that the the 2018 stats that sounds about right especially coming into yeah I mean that that kind of college production is what I would anticipate for him in his rookie season in the NFL for sure and that's not that's not bad as far as fantasy production goes for a season yeah it's not your number one especially for a rookie but but you're not drafting him as a top receiver you're drafting him for your bench as a guy that you might need to plug in in case of injury or bye weeks and so I am more than pretty happy with that yeah I'd Um, say if you especially when you whenever you end up with your number one running back and you see that the bye week ends up with a, a Mims easier schedule that week Pick him up as just your bye week play, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. Yeah, and by the time we get to that point in the season, you will will already know if he's that guy or not. Yeah, you know you're going to have multiple game samples to to draw from, and so really the only other interesting piece to talk about this uh, on this offense. I mean, you can bring up Lamichael P. Ryan if you like out of Florida. the The team did bring in Frank Gore to technically back up left bell, <laughs> I guess, and you know he's going to see his fair share of touches. He's going to get some touches, and so I think that also limits Lev Bell, but I think I think uh, Bell has a, a better shot at uh, increasing his production from last year with this improved offensive line. I just, I don't think we're going to see the Lev Bell of old is all. Um, LaMichael P. Ryan behind all of them, you know, uh, I see him more as, um, you know, he's, he's, his player comparison is actually Sony Michelle, which uh, I don't like because it's, it's just a little bit too recent for my taste. And I just there's still too many question marks with Sony, and so with Michael P. Ryan, you're getting a guy who's he's got a four six two forty. He's not lightning fast, uh, but kind of similar to that Devin Singletary, where he, he, you know he just what you see doesn't really match the statistics. And I'm not saying that you know P. Ryan is a, a burner by any any means, but I think he's a better version of uh, Samaje 
to be honest with yeah. you. And so, you know, maybe a couple of years down the line, we'll see if he ever develops. But the, the guy that I really want to hit on is Chris Hernan over at tight end. I think that we everyone was expecting him to have his breakout, you know, step forward season last year. He ended up getting suspended, and then we came back from suspension. He was just really not healthy. I think he was overweight. I know he ended up getting hurt. I want to say in practice before he could even ever play his first game, and it just it ended up being a scrapped year for Chris yeah. Hernan. I think with a full off season to get healthy and just hopefully you know the pieces just kind of come together for him. I think if you want to take a shot at him, uh, I kind of have him in the. Uh, you know, the John U. Smith, Ian Thomas kind of grouping as uh, the latter of the three guys and that and those and those guys to take a shot on. All right. Well, rounding out our division. And our podcast for the day. New England. New England. Boy, if if this division <laughs> didn't have enough interesting stuff going on with just the Dolphins moves. <laughs> like the Dolphins alone make this one of the more interesting offseason divisions. Then we get to the Patriots and the chess being played by Belichick. Yeah, Belichick's at it as always, as as always. Um, <laughs> you know, bringing in Cam Newton, um, this was an interesting move. Uh, you know, I was waiting for them to bring in a quarterback months ago. I mean, yeah. just question every single day. I look at it, just question why haven't they brought in a quarterback yet? Why haven't they? You know, do they re- are they really going to roll with Jarek Stidham? And not that I had an issue with that per se. I was actually kind of intrigued about it. I was curious to see what would happen. You know, the entire industry had to scramble to figure out what we believe about Stidham, what we believe about the production that the, this Patriots offense is going to have this year. And I got to tell you, productions or predictions were just. They're not good. Yeah, not looking, not looking very favorable for any of the fantasy options in in New England. And and traditionally, traditionally, I think you could usually bypass a lot of the fantasy uh, values at, in New England only because Bellatrix happens, yeah. and it it's just really hard to rely on these guys a lot of times. So I was almost kind of okay with the way things were playing out. Uh, but now you bring in Cam Newton and everything's just in a freaking flux again. <laughs> and so, in, in typical Belichick fashion, bringing him in at the, at the 11th hour for a contract that just makes the league just eye pop. You know, uh, Richard Sherman was just yelling about it. And, um, you know, Cam's definitely on a prove it deal. I, I think that this is, uh, he, I don't know why Cam felt like he needed to audition though. Yeah. Maybe he just wasn't getting any other offers. I don't know. But to be honest with you, the way that... Could have been personal. It could have been... He may just want to be there. Maybe maybe there's that. I think you would get some more uh, socially controversial arguments from some other people. But um, for me, Cam, Cam and the Patriots, I had this pegged months ago. And the only thing I could think of why it wasn't going through had to have been because of COVID and physicals. When you look at... Um, Let's take the Falcons, for example, and they bring, they bring in Todd Gurley, and they bring him in on a pretty decent contract, and you know that he's got questions of health with his knees, and you bring him in, and then you got this whole COVID thing throwing everything into a flux and making it really hard for guys. Guys couldn't get physicals, and then out of nowhere, the Falcons kind of sign Gurley, and everyone goes, well, what's his health like? You know, everyone's questioning it, and, and the Falcons actually released a statement where the offensive coordinator went, I don't know. We're not really <laughs> sure. You know, um, could be fine. I, I'm, yeah. I'm sure he's fine. You know, but it's like you spend that money. <laughs> it, what? You don't run an NFL team that way. You know what I mean? Like, just just, just hearing that response was just yeah. so off-putting from the Falcons that you know, I'm very high and girly myself this year. But that put me off. Like, 
That, that's It's kind of scary that a team would run things that way. And I, I think that's kind of what we got here with the Patriots and Cam. I think that they were really just waiting for... It almost felt to me like Cam kind of had a handshake deal with them to begin with, like like long ago. And, you know, provided he clears all the physical once COVID clears up and things start getting back to normal, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go get this deal done. And it, it, it almost felt like immediately after things started opening up, Cam had his physical, he signed his contract. Yeah. And so... He jumped into he jumped into the role too immediately going to set up practice days mm-hmm. with some of his targets to start getting acclimated to throwing to them to having them around. I like you said that had to have been kind of in the works beforehand. He had to know what he was getting himself into before the deal went through. Yeah, he probably had a pretty solid idea of what he was going to do and what uh, his future was going to look like. I, I I would have a hard time believing that someone like Cam Newton would ha- would not have any sort of, any clarity whatsoever on yeah. his NFL future. He's still he's he's aging, but he's still young enough to get the job done, get the job done his way. You can say what you want about him as a player, and I have plenty of things to say about him as a player. But when you look at him. As a team, he is absolutely a leader. He's going to motivate people. He's going to motivate his teammates. He's going to get the job done. And, and he's exciting. He's exciting to watch. He's exciting for his teammates. He He's high energy. He gets the blood going. And these are all good things to have on a football team. And yeah. so, yeah, this is just, it, it, it's a great move uh, for the Patriots. And it's it's a great stopgap while they take a breath and figure out, okay, how do we really move on from Tom Brady? Um, I think bringing Cam uh, the biggest things to really say about the Cam addition is, um, well, I had the New England Patriot quarterback uh, position kind of rise on my draft boards completely. Um, I, I have Cam, by the way, nestled right in as my quarterback nine for the season right now. Because Cam is either going to be brilliant for fantasy or he's going to get hurt and just you're going to struggle with him as your QB1. So I have him kind of nestled in that nine spot right now, yeah. right between Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield. And I feel pretty comfortable with him right there, especially coming in off these injuries, coming into a brand new system. I think he's going to thrive as a quarterback in the Bill Belichick system, and you're going to see more of what he offers as a quarterback than him just leading the Panthers and doing anything he wants to freaking do, you know? Um, Especially with the rest of his offense. He's got some names that can play and deliver for him that he's going to be using as targets. Yeah, and so I think that that's what Cam really brings to the table here. I think that he improves the value immediately of Nikhil Harry, who a lot of people were unsure of what to do with, and who a lot of people are forgetting about, Mo Sanu. You know, Mohamed Sanu coming over from the Falcons during the season last year, it was kind of one of those under-the-radar moves. And it wasn't really... It didn't really have much impact because I want to say he got hurt. And so... The Patriots did give up, I want to say, a second-round draft. If I'm not mistaken, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I want to say they gave up a second-round draft pick to acquire Mo Sanu from the Falcons. Now, with Sanu's age, that was the big hang-up I had on that that kind of draft capital, and you don't really see Bill Belichick do stuff like that very often. He doesn't really like to give up value. He likes to look at the guys that are the highest-end talent possible but are just complete head cases, and guys that are risky, he likes to take them, say, here, if you want to have a career in the NFL, perform here. You do that, you're going to get paid somewhere else. Yep. I'm, I'm your stopgap. You know, Nobody's been able to do that more successfully than Bill Belichick, and that's kind of the foundation of how the Patriots have built this dynasty that they've had over the last two decades, something the NFL's never seen before. And so... Um, yeah, we hate to say it, you know, year after year, oh, it's the Patriots, oh, it's the Patriots, playoffs are coming, it's the Patriots, the Super Bowl's yeah, coming, it's the Patriots. I'm sick but, of seeing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Well, you they, know what, enjoy it! Right, they kind of made this 
Like, this is not just gifted to them. This was made. Yeah, no, this was built and this was maintained. And I don't think a lot of people understand how hard it is to maintain a championship-level team from one year to the next. I mean, you look at the Rams, who lost to the Patriots in Brady's last Super Bowl. You know, uh, what did they do the following season? Well, the Patriots have been double-digit win teams every season, if I'm not mistaken, as far as, as long as Tom Brady's been the quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, they perennially make the playoffs. And, you know, they seemingly about at least half the time make the Super Bowl and more often than not they win that Super Bowl. Yeah. And so it's to be able to do that is just flat out impressive. Enjoy this was a treasure. Enjoy this dynasty while it lasts because it's not going to last forever. Belichick is gearing up to hand this team over to Josh McDaniels, yeah. I think. Um I think the writing's been on the wall that Belichick is going to hand this team over to uh Josh McDaniels and yeah, uh, I, I could see him hooking up Josh McDaniels because you got to remember McDaniels turned down that job for the Colts that Frank Reich ultimately got and really snubbed the Colts in that and really the rest of the league like probably damaged his reputation for any future head coaching jobs and you know that was a big move when he talked uh McDaniels into staying over there in New England and so uh when, when you take a look at that uh, you just take a look at the way this team has traditionally been run. I want to get back on topic here and finish out on Mo Sanu. He's going to be the reliable target. I think Nikhil Harry is going to get an opportunity to take a step forward, whether he does or not. Uh, he's got to show more than he did last year. Jacoby Myers was downright impressive uh, in previ- previously, but um, you know Nikhil, Nikhil Harry with that kind of draft capital, you just know he's going to get the... Uh, a shot at it and then you still have julian edelman in the mix who's going to just be your ppr machine deep launching is what cam tends to succeed with and this team is kind of built for cam newton to have some pretty solid success here all right any other major comments about some of the pickups there's some interesting draft choices here yeah i mean you know you can talk about the tight end position with uh Asi Asi, I think you're just having the same conversation you had last year with Matt Lacoste and just trying to predict the next Gronk yeah. for this offense. And, you know, just because they did it with Gronk and even with Aaron Hernandez when they while they had him, um, I don't see this as really being uh, – I, I just see this as just a repeat of last year's conversation with Lacoste. And so Asi Asi, if you want to take the shot on him, that's fine. But uh, there's just so many other guys that just have a clear path to immediate success this year. And, Traditionally, with rookie tight ends, it takes them two or three years to really get going. And so, with Asiasi, you know, I, I like the talent, but I think you're going to have to give him a couple of years to develop. I think yeah. drafting him this year and redraft might, might might just be a little bit too aggressive. So, really, the only other question left with this team is this defense. In redraft leagues, do you draft this team with a vengeance based on what they did last year? Yeah, you wouldn't think, like, a defense could really have that much swing, but when your defense is putting up points like that against everyone else who's putting up 8 to 10 a week, maybe, mm-hmm. that's huge. That makes up for your your stud having a off week or being shut down. It just does so much for you. I mean, it could just single-handedly win you the week, quite literally. And so with defense, I usually preach, you know, uh, <laughs> I usually I, I, just, I say this having drafted the Bears defense, I think, in like the 10th round last year in our redraft. But uh, I usually preach patience. If you identify what you want uh, um, basically a late round flyer that you want to take that you think is going to blow up and just really be a difference maker for your team you know 10th round and later anywhere in that I'm okay with you taking your shot on what you believe if you believe that this defense is going to repeat the performance that they had last year go ahead and take your shot if you have your raw if you're if you're feeling pretty confident in your roster and 
the starters that you drafted and some having some capable backups behind them and you're, you're sitting there in the 10th round with okay I got my starting roster pretty much filled out I got a backup or two that I'm pretty confident with I think that I can get some more backups a little bit later I'm gonna go ahead and take my reach here I'm okay with it. I mean, that that kind of otherworldly production just deserves its kind of own unique treatment. Yeah. Personally, I'm still like that with the Bears this year. And I know you want if you want to call me a homer, we are the shy guys. <laughs> you know, I get it. Yeah, call me a homer all yeah. you want. I don't care. I just love football. I don't care what team it is. Um, I'm looking at this Bears defense, and they, you know, they're turnover monsters that had a down year last year, and they still finish as a top flight defense in the league. When you look at, uh, you know, yards allowed and points and and all that jazz and just most of the metrics really. And then they just got better. They added yeah. Robert Quinn to help take some of that pressure off of Khalil. We we got a, I know we got a little hometown corner going on here, but we are at the end of our segment here, so you know what you're gonna deal with it. And um, you know, you get Akeem Hicks coming back. And so when you look at the beginning of their uh, schedule, they're facing off again. I believe it's. They travel to Detroit. They start out in Detroit. Then they come home against the Giants. Then they go to Atlanta, and then they play the. They round it out in the first quarter of the season against the, the Colts. Well, when you look at these matchups, Stafford is a gunslinger, and the Bears' defense, it, it, you know, they're they're going to put up points against that lion that Lions offense. That's that's just going to happen. You look at uh, Danny Dimes and the Giants coming to Chicago for the first game of the year after a disappointing season, um, and then you know. Matt Ryan uh, typically tends to struggle in the beginning of seasons. He usually throws quite a few picks before he starts to settle things down traditionally, depending on whether it's his up year or down year and things like that. And then Phillip Rivers, I think, is... I have Phillip Rivers kind of having a very similar season in Indianapolis as he had in his last year in uh, Los Angeles. Indianapolis and Los Angeles. Did I say Indianapolis the first time? I'm, yes. I'm not even sure at this point. But, um, <laughs> you know, Phillip Rivers is a guy that, you know, he's... 38 years old, if I'm not mistaken. The guy has just been around forever. I think he's just grateful to have gotten another contract. The contract's worth some decent amount of money. Yeah. The guy's got his own baseball team in his household with the eight kids or whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's just, I think he's just having fun while he can have fun. I expect him to sling the ball around a lot. I expect him to not really care if he turns the ball over. Yeah. And I expect him just, you know, to be free spirited and just launching into. So, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of meat on the bones for these offenses. Uh, during these first four matchups against the Bears, so I kind of I have them as my top ranked drafted defense yeah, this year. And I will say this: whether whether it's the Patriots, whether it's the Bears defense, the one thing a really strong point generating defense does for you as a fantasy player, bragging rights. Because there's nothing better than when your defense outperforms your opponent's quarterback or RB one, and just the level of bragging you can do to someone the shade you can throw at them yeah. when your defense puts up 20 points listen that's i know that's not always the kind of mentality you have that wins your seasons but my god does it feel good sometimes to have those and as a fantasy player first and foremost if For i could sure. have those moments and i'm looking forward to them in our season that we can <laughs> we can use this medium here to trash talk some of the other guys in our league oh it's going to be a fun year no doubt yeah. it's, especially because everything's going to be just so off the wall crazy with the repercussions from covid and the limited offseason the yes. limited preseason how much everything has changed throughout the season yeah it's going to be great you know the bottom line when it comes to fantasy football and you're, and you're targeting thing t uh, you know defenses if if that's your thing or you know, other players late in drafts, know your league. Know who these guys are going to target. For us, it's a very Chicago-dominant team, uh, league, rather. Yeah. And so we have a lot of Chicago Bears-heavy uh, fans. And so 
we kind of have to approach things a little bit differently. But know your league. You know, draft, draft, go after your guys. Go get them. Yep. For sure. Know your league. Know the guys you play with. Beat them and trash talk them relentlessly <laughs> to make them learn the error of their ways. With that, we are going to come to the close of this episode of the Shy Guys Football Podcast. Join us on the next few episodes when we are going to finish out talking about the AFC offseason as well as move into the NFC offseason and talk about those teams. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, look us up on Twitter at ShyGuysFootball and at ShyGuysFootball at gmail.com. If you'd like to send us in an email, please feel free to send us your questions, any concerns you may have, anything you want us to address or take a look at. Post in the comments. You can add us all day, bro. Um, you know, Post your questions. We'd love to answer them. We'd love to interact. Yeah, um, and definitely looking forward to hearing about your fantasy seasons. We want to hear that something we said helped you win, and we want to hear by how much and what you did, <laughs> what you did to kind of what you did to celebrate and yeah, rub it we in. Want to, we want to hear some of that celebration. We want to hear about those big wins you have. We'll break them down, analyze them, because that's really the key: is to understand when you win in fantasy, you need to understand why, and it takes a little bit of reflection, a little bit of breakdown. That's how you're going to keep your team going and build. And that's that's how you're gonna win more championship games. For sure. Peace out.